Welcome to The Positioning Show, where we discuss topics related to the practical application of positioning for marketing, sales, and product teams. I'm April Dunford, a consultant, author, and the world's leading expert on positioning for B2B technology companies. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Positioning Show with me, April Dunford. Hey, you know what I want to talk about today? I want to talk about differentiated value, but really what I want to talk about is how to avoid terrible marketing and sales. And you know what got me thinking about this? I was listening to a podcast. I was a guest on this podcast once a while back. And the podcast is called Everybody Hates Marketers. It's by this guy, Louis Crenier. If you don't know it, you should listen to it. It's great. But you know, when I was a guest on there, you know, he reached out to me and he said, Hey, do you want to be a guest on my podcast? It's called Everyone Hates Marketers. And I was like, ha ha ha, that's funny. And you know why it's funny? It's funny because it's true. And that made me feel bad. I was like, yeah, yeah. Everyone does kind of hate marketers. Like in sales is probably even worse. We hate that probably even worse. And you know why? We've got this image in our head of like the pushy used car salesman. Like th this is what we hate. We hate that. And what is it about the pushy used car salesman that, you know, that we hate so much? Like one, the used car salesman lies, right? They're lying to you. They're, they're telling you good stuff. It isn't true. And they're hiding the bad stuff. And then two, what we really hate about the, you know, pushy used car salesmen is that they don't care about us. They're in it for themselves. They're all about securing the bag, <laughs> getting the cash. They don't care whether or not you're happy with the purchase or this is a good purchase for you or whatever. They just, they just want their cash and they're all in it for themselves. Now, a lot of us in startups, we come from the product side of the house. And, you know, our, our tendency is to think that, that, that product is the thing, like the main thing. And in fact, if we're, if we're in product and I catch myself doing this a lot, like sometimes we want to think that product is the only thing that matters. And so what you'll get are folks that try to avoid the marketing and sales stuff altogether. Like it kind of sucks. I don't want to be one of those pushy sales people, you know, and I just want to make great product and the people out there will recognize the product for the greatness that it is. And, and I'm just going to let the product stand for itself and the product will sell itself. And, and we know that's not true. Like history teaches us that isn't true. Like, the Concorde was a great product. The next computer was a great product that was never commercially successful, built by one of the greatest product people ever. There's a lot of great products out there that never actually saw the light of day because people couldn't figure them out. They just couldn't figure out what they were good for, what the use case was. And, you know, good product people understand that there's more than just product. There's pricing, there's support, there's onboarding, there's the user experience. There's all the things that come together that go beyond just technology. And this stuff can kind of make or break a product. But before customers even get there, like before they sign up for your trial or touch a product or make a purchase and then touch the product, before they even get there, they got to figure out what is this thing? And what's in it for me to invest any time in even poking around at it? How you answer this question, what is this thing and why does it matter? The answer to that question determines whether or not your marketing is good or bad. So, I mean, the obvious first one is like, if you lie about 
what your product is amazing at or what's it really good at, then that's bad. And and lying makes your marketing bad because people figure it out eventually. <laughs> they go and use the thing and it doesn't do what you said it was going to do. And then they're mad and then they churn on you. And the word of mouth is terrible. Like, like rule number one, lying is bad. We very seldom get away with that. The second thing is that, you know, makes your marketing and sales bad is that all you care about is closing business. Like you just want to close business. Like you don't care whether the product is a good fit for the person you're selling to. You're just going to take your victim as you find them and you know, all business is good business. You don't care about customers and what happens to them after the purchase. You just want to grab that cash and run. And then the last thing that, you know, will might make your marketing and sales bad is, is that it's, it's kind of related to that. It's just all about you. It's about you and your features and your great technology and the great stuff that you do. And it has very little regard for the customer and what the customer is trying to figure out, which is, you know, should I pick your thing over the alternatives? Sometimes what I see in really product-oriented founders or founders that are, you know, come from the product side of the house is that they will be so worried about doing bad marketing and sales or coming across as this pushy salesperson that they'll kind of take this attitude of, you know, we're not going to be forceful in our marketing and sales. And so what happens is they kind of come at you with all the features and the tech, and they'll try to get you into the product as quick as possible, which a lot of times is actually really good. But there's this attitude of like, just the facts, Jack, man, like, we're just going to tell you exactly what this is. And, and it's your job, customer, to go figure that out. It's your job to figure out why the features matter. It's your job to figure out whether or not the stuff we do is different from the alternatives. It's your job, Mr. Customer, to figure out if we're a very good fit for you or not. We don't want to influence you because any influence we give you is going to be bad <laughs> or perceived as bad. So we're just not going to go there at all. And I think that underlying this behavior is a belief that, you know, if we try to influence how the customer perceives us or thinks about us, customer's not going to believe us anyway, because the customer's going to be so skeptical. And so like, like, we're just a used car salesman at that point. So we're like, hey, buy my stuff because it's great. Why would anybody believe that it's great? You know, we're obviously self-interested here. So because we are so scared of that perception, we're just not even going to try. We're just going to give up on that. What all of this ignores, of course, is the fact that we love great marketing and sales. We love it when it's great. And often what makes our marketing and sales so good is that it never triggers that used car salesman feeling. So how do we do it? Like, is there a way that we could actually guarantee that we are creating marketing and sales that kind of never comes across as this pushy, pushy salesperson or this, you know, con artist on the internet trying to lie about stuff and sell us stuff that we don't even want. Like, how do we guarantee that we never get into that territory? I think there's a handful of things we need to kind of think about attitudinally in our marketing. So like, first of all, it has to be true. 
Like we don't get to just make this stuff up. Like it actually has to be rooted in the truth of what we do better than the alternatives that customers are considering. And then secondly, we should have the attitude that our marketing and sales should be helpful to prospects. And what I mean by that is, you know, the prospect is on a journey and they're trying to select the best possible solution for them. Our marketing and sales should help them. Our attitude should be that we are matchmakers. We're trying to get products matched with customers that are a perfect fit for them. And that means in that attitude that sometimes our product is not the best fit for a customer that comes in our front door. And we're okay with that because what we ultimately want to do is teach customers how to make the best possible decision for themselves and their businesses. So when we think about that, you know, this does come back to positioning. This is why I think doing a formal positioning process is so critical. So a formal positioning process allows us to get the gang together, the stakeholders across your senior executive team, and do a formal process where we sit down and we say, here's who we compete with. This is how we're different. This is the value that only we can deliver. These are the people that really, really care a lot about that. Now we understand the truth of our differentiated value. And now we understand exactly what kind of buyers care a lot about that differentiated value. If we do not do this in a formal process, what happens? What happens is that smart, well-intentioned, creative people in your organization will make stuff up. And that's where the bad marketing comes from. They make stuff up. They think it's true. They're well-intentioned. They're stretching it a little bit. It sounds good. And the next thing you know, they're stretching it a little bit more. They're stretching it a little bit more. And they're doing stuff that maybe sounds good. Maybe customers even like it when they're coming in the door, but then they find out, oh, that actually isn't true. All that stuff they were saying about, oh, that's an exaggerated claim that they made there. Oh, I'm actually not a great fit for this stuff. When folks led me to believe that I was a great fit for this stuff. And then they churn and then your business is bad. Your word of mouth is bad and everything goes to heck. This is how it happens. If we don't do a formal positioning process, people will make things up to fill in the gaps. The absolute core to great sales and marketing is really deeply understanding your differentiated value. You get your arms around that, and that is the honest answer to the question, why pick us over the other alternatives that you're considering? So that's the first thing. We, we gotta get really tight on that. If everything is based on that, then we know it's based on the truth, and that's step one of great marketing. So the second part of this is the story that we wrap around that positioning. And if we want our sales story to not be totally self-absorbed and annoying, what we want is a story that helps customers make up their own mind about what is the best solution for them and their business. So again, much like positioning, I believe that we have to create that story in a structured way. If we don't create that story in a structured way, then one of two things will happen. One, your sales team in particular, but your marketing team too, if they don't understand how to tell the story, they're going to fall back into this, I'm just going to present you with a list of features and you figure it out, customer. 
the second thing, again, if we don't create the story in a structured way that everybody knows how to use the story, then we run the risk that, you know, because there's this hole here, your smart, creative, well-intentioned people inside the company are just going to start making stuff up. So they're going to cook up a story that sounds good, but isn't actually true. And again, the stretch will become a stretch, will become a stretch, or they'll just go off in a direction that, you know, the product was never meant to fulfill that promise or that story. And here we are in the land of terrible marketing and sales. So what that means is that if we think about a sales pitch in particular, the sales pitch has to have some things to it. Like the first one is it has to acknowledge that there are other approaches to the problem. Most sales pitches don't do this. And so it needs to acknowledge like, hey, there's lots of ways to solve this problem. And in fact, some of those ways might be better for some customers. The second thing is we need to give customers a rubric or a guide to make sense out of all their choices. Like what should they be paying attention to? What should they not be paying attention to? And we need to do this in a way that is honest and true. Next, we, we need to center everything around helping customers understand our differentiated value. We can't just throw a million features at them and say, best of luck, Chuck, you figure it out. Our job is to help customers figure that out. And then lastly, our entire attitude in marketing and sales, in my opinion, should be calm confidence. Like we know why we're a best fit for a certain type of customer. We should be able to come into sales situations. We should be able to communicate in our marketing like, hey, this is the truth. We are the best at doing this for this kind of customer. And we should feel very comfortable and calm walking away from business that isn't a good fit for us. Customers want this. When people talk about authenticity in marketing and sales, that's what they're talking about. I think that if you can bring these two things together, sharp, focused positioning, communicated in the context of a story that is helpful for customers trying to make the best possible decision for themselves and their businesses, then I think what you have is the foundation of marketing and sales that is honest and helpful. In short, that's marketing and sales that we can all feel good about. I wrote my first book, Obviously Awesome, to help people do a structured positioning process. So to give them a methodology for if we get the gang together to do positioning instead of just guessing or throwing stuff at the wall or making stuff up, here's a way we could get to our honest truth in positioning. My next book, second book coming out in October called Sales Pitch, that is really all about translating that positioning into a sales pitch that helps customers in a purchase process make the best choice for them while actually helping you sell a whole bunch more stuff. Now, to be honest with you, what I really believe is you can do those things any way you want. Like you don't have to do them my way. Like I just, I think my way is good because I've done it a lot of times and I, you know, hopefully that's helpful, but you don't have to do it that way. I think the best thing is that you just do it. I think the majority of companies don't position deliberately. And because they haven't positioned deliberately, they leave themselves open to having folks on the team 
stretch things a little bit or take things in a direction because there's a gap there that needs to get filled. And so deliberately doing a positioning exercise, however you want to do it, I think is is critical. And then same thing on the sales side. Most of the teams that I've worked with have a sales pitch that has evolved over decades and nobody's ever sat down and said, hey, you know what? What if we start from scratch on this? What should this actually look like? And are we actually communicating our differentiated value in a way that's helpful to prospects? I think it's way more important that folks actually sit down and do it <laughs> than it is that they do it my way or some other way. I think do it any way you want. I think the big thing is that you just actually do it in a structured way that isn't just making stuff up. What really matters is that everything you're doing on the marketing and sales side is rooted in your true differentiated value. And it's oriented around this attitude that we are here to help customers that are on a purchase journey. And that's it. That's all I've got for you guys this week. Hey, two things. One, this podcast is kind of new and I would love it if you folks give me a rating or a review. I really, really appreciate it. I read all of them. E even the ones that tell me I talk about toilets too much. And you know what? You're right. I do talk about toilets too much. I'm going to work on that. Thanks for the feedback. But I would love it if you left me a rating or review. That'd be really helpful. Secondly, new book coming out, coming out pretty soon. So depending on when you're actually listening to this, <laughs> October 4th is the date. Hopefully pre-orders in a couple of weeks before that. If you want to stay on top of stuff, you can keep listening here. If you go on my website, aprildunford.com, you can sign up for updates. Thanks so much. I'll see you folks next week.